Well, it was on a Pentecost Sunday several years ago that Reverend Carol Cavan Dillon came to reflect on her relationship with the Holy Spirit. As a self-proclaimed young, naive associate pastor, she had prayed that Pentecost morning during the worship service something like this. We thank you today, O God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for sending it among us. After the service, her senior pastor pulled her aside and said, The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a person of the Trinity to whom we relate. We pray to the Spirit. We love the Spirit. We commune with the Spirit. You can say he or she. I don't care. But don't say it. Cavan Dillon remarked, His words caused me to reflect a long time on my relationship with the Holy Spirit. To be honest, the fact that I called the Spirit it showed the distance I felt from the Spirit. I never prayed to the Spirit. I never thought about loving the Spirit. And I certainly didn't think of her or him as being as important as God the Father or God the Son. In fact, I rarely thought about the Spirit at all. The truth is that many of us in the church are baffled by the Holy Spirit. Most Sundays we sing, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But how often do we really think about the Spirit through the week? Or how often does it come up in our conversations? We have our vague notions about how the Spirit works. When we think of the Spirit, we think of a comforter. We think of divine nudges, soft whispers, gentle presence. And all of that is fitting. That's what the Holy Spirit is called at times, our comforter, our advocate. And Cavan Dillon, whose insights and words run throughout this sermon, agrees that the Spirit is often quiet, gentle, and subtle. And easy to miss. But she also observes that in the story of Pentecost, we see a different side of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is loud, fiery, and earth-shattering. Listen again to Luke recounting the story in Acts. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke's words are suddenly, rush, violent wind, fire. There's nothing subtle here. The Holy Spirit arrives loudly and dramatically, and she sets the disciples on fire. They were never the same after that, and neither was the world. The Spirit brought about a radical change. In that moment, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit transformed a ragtag gathering of Jesus' disciples into the body of Christ. The church. 
we are the heirs of what happened that day. Peter the impulsive, James and John the competitive, Mary the meek, Thomas the doubtful. Everyone in that room that day was changed. Some became prophets, some healers, some preachers, some caregivers. Some went to the ends of the earth preaching while others stayed home and cared for the poor. But all of them were set on fire. With the power of the Holy Spirit, they changed the world. How many of you got in trouble for playing with matches when you were kids? Oh, not as many as I had hoped. (laughs) Well, they fascinated me. I thought, look, I can make fire. I'm so powerful. I even mastered that art of flipping over the the cover on the back of the matchbook so it made an even louder sound when it struck. Well, when I had matured some... My dad would bring me matchbooks from hotels and restaurants he visited as he traveled. You know, they used to be a great advertising tool. This one happens to be a condo lodge, and if you look at it very closely, you can say, oh, yeah, 1970s. But we don't see these as much anymore. And I think they've sort of gone the way of the fire in mainline Christian churches. We don't see it much anymore. It's faded. Where is the fire? Up and down the streets of our city this morning, there are churches celebrating Pentecost. Some will have birthday cake to remember the birth of the church. Some will have red balloons. Some will ask their members to wear red Some might have liturgical dancers waving red banners around. We can think of many ways to celebrate Pentecost. And yet it still raises us to question, or it should, where's the fire? The choir sang for us, come Holy Spirit. We invited the Holy Spirit into our worship this morning. And yet, do we really know what we were asking for? Did we think about it? Yes, we want the comforter. Yes, we want the advocate. Yes, we want to come here and feel the gentle presence of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't even mind a little nudge or two in an area of our lives that we might be questioning. But do we really want the fire? We like the Holy Spirit to be warm, but hot. Do we really want to be changed? Would we call upon the Spirit if we knew that it meant we'd have to live and love differently? When those first disciples were infused with the Holy Spirit, it was a wild scene. People on the street thought the disciples were drunk and it was only nine in the morning. Now on college campuses, maybe, but not in the streets of Jerusalem. They were so excited, they were so fired up, so full of the Spirit, that people thought they were crazy. Do people ever look at us as Christians and think we're crazy? Do we look different, different enough from people that they notice us at all? Do we love in a way that is radical? 
Are we extravagantly generous? Do we forgive the unforgivable? Do we reach out to the least and the lost? Are we so loving, compassionate, so giving, so humble that the world thinks we're crazy? In 1787, William Wilberforce, a member of British Parliament, wrote in his diary, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Twenty years later, in 1807, the Parliament passed by an overwhelming majority, a bill to abolish slavery. The government purchased the slaves' freedom, compensating the owners for about 20, with about 20 million pounds. Wilberforce was set aflame by his understanding of God and his understanding of what Christ does for us and through us. Some people thought he was crazy. We know better. When when somebody is baptized among us, we do so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray for the Spirit to be active in that person's life. And yet, do we take that prayer seriously? Do we really want the Holy Spirit to fill these people? When it's a student, we may want to say nicely and warmly, welcome to the church. I hope you get involved in the youth group and I hope you have fun. I hope you grow up to be nice and well-rounded. I hope your activities at church are as enriching to you as band camp as a soccer season, as a dramatic production, or as your many other activities. But if we think about the Holy Spirit as fiery, as even dangerous, what we really want to say is watch out. If you really want to take this step, if you really want to journey with Christ, if you really want the Holy Spirit to work in you, then put on your crash helmets. Get ready because the Spirit can set a fire in your hearts. Your relationship with God is not just another good activity to keep you busy. It's the most important thing in life. It is everything. And if you really want to say yes to God, then be ready. The Spirit will make you do crazy things, like loving your enemies, like reaching out to people who are outcast, like spending your money differently. The Spirit will make you cry for the suffering of others. The Spirit will make you want to change the world. For the sake of young people, as well as ourselves and our world, we as a church want to let the Spirit do the Spirit's work, not quench the Spirit. We dare not cool down the Spirit's heat. 
So let us not teach young Christians to be sensible and moderate. Let's not teach them how to fit in. Let's teach them instead to be drunk with love for God. Let's teach them instead to be crazy in their compassion for others, to be unreasonable in their faith, extravagant in their kindness, and radical in their commitment to God and God's people. Let's teach them how to stir up a little trouble in the world. Now, we can tell them how to do this. But you know it's not going to be nearly as much of an impact as if we show them. As if we show them that the Spirit also works in us, gives us fire and passion and hope and strength. A fire in a forest destroys the old growth so new growth can begin. Where's the fire? It's sparking. It's sparking in each of you. It's sparking in me. And that's all it takes. All it takes is a little spark. I'm not going to sing Pass It On. And yet, I do want some help. In pa- that's, I already got, I got some help already. I'm sharing with you, just take one, have one, um, part of my match collection These are um, ones that um, Dad brought me or collected for me or a few of these places I've been myself. But I want you to carry them with you. And if we don't get to all of them before we sing or while we sing, then be sure to pick up one before you leave. Carry it with you. Let it be a reminder to you of God's grace, God's power, God's strength and hope, and the passion that God offers through the Holy Spirit.